Hello amazing physicians. Welcome to another episode of the Underdog Physician podcast. This is Vidya Kolu and Anish Desai. We are both practicing physicians in the US. As underdogs, the deck always feels like it's stacked against us. No matter what you do, it seems more challenging to reach your goal compared to your peers, and you possibly end up in an even more difficult situation. Our stories and common journey has laid the foundation for the Underdog Physician podcast. Despite our struggles, we got to where we are now with persistence, hard work, and more importantly, by surrounding ourselves with a nurturing community. This podcast is for the underdog pre-medical, medical students, residents, and aspiring physician entrepreneurs who are looking to find a source of inspiration to beat the odds no matter where you are in your journey. We'll be discussing residency and med school application process. navigating medical training effectively personal finance and work life balance you're so glad you're listening to a podcast while commuting exercising doing laundry cooking waiting in line or whatever chore you might be working on medical school application will be starting soon we are sure this must be an overwhelming yet exciting times for those applying There are two different pathways towards becoming a physician in the US: allopathic versus osteopathic. In the previous episode, we discussed about the journey of an amazing osteopathic physician, Dr. Purvisha. If you haven't already, please listen to that episode. In this episode, we want to talk about applying to US allopathic medical schools. According to the American Association of Medical Colleges, applicant matriculation data acceptance rate is 50.7% for the 2021 application year as you can see getting into us medical school is a very competitive process and it is crucial that applicants especially the underdogs take the right path to get that coveted acceptance letter in this episode we are our very own host anish who will be sharing his wisdom as a medical school applicant and interviewer for his allopathic medical school and we hope to help you maximize your chances for the 2022 cycle to understand how the med school uh, process works over in the US and also for our listeners who are curious to know what it takes so can you share your experience what got you inspired to become a doctor was there any particular life experience that led you to consider this career choice Yeah, that's a great question and the application cycle is is starting uh, next month. So this is a perfect time, uh, you know, to be exploring these questions. Uh a little bit about myself. So I was born in Mumbai. I moved here with my family when I was in 7th grade. Uh we moved to New York and have been in New York since then. I would say my motivation for medicine stemmed from multiple events. The first one event that I can think of was just in high school when we had someone presenting one of the on a career day we had an EMT coming in and and talking about his job description and things he does and the thing that struck me about uh, his job was all the amazing things that he can do and the ability to have an impact on a stranger's life in the pre-hospital setting was something that uh, impressed me I was inspired to the point where I started volunteering at a local ambulance corps 
And I got my first exposure to to medicine, really, as a EMT volunteer. I had taken an EMT basic coursework over the summer, mm-hmm. and I had a chance to volunteer as an EMT for the local community and be able to make an impact. Uh, then subsequently in undergrad, I started exploring the science courses because I was always intrigued by the by anatomy and physiology and mm-hmm. just wanted to get a better understanding of, of, of that aspect of sciences. And I always had that intellectual curiosity and I saw pre-medical courses uh, as a perfect way to satisfy that thirst that I had. And as I got more and more engaged, I decided to take it another notch and I started volunteering at a hospital where mm-hmm. I was uh, essentially a, li- a research liaison. And I was engaged in E1C initiative project. And I remember having uh, these discussions with family members about what the testing is and trying my best to address whatever questions and concerns they had. And just engaging in the uh, analytic part of the sciences fascinated me. And also the interactions that I had with patients and their family in the hospital was something that also motivated me to consider a career in medicine. After my after my undergrad years, I, I had taken a year off. My one of my dream, my biggest dream at that point was to get into a U.S. allopathic medical school, which has always been challenging. And in my case, actually, I was told by my pre-health advisor that I'm the underdog, essentially, that my chances of matching into a program that's focused on allopathic pathway to medicine was very low mm-hmm. but being an underdog also in my you know prior experiences I, I didn't let that deter me from applying so I actually ended up applying to more than 40 allopathic schools 40 40 allopathic schools as well as a couple of Caribbean schools and to and, and I, I applied pretty early on but I started hearing from these schools later on in the cycle, like towards October, November. And actually, I got 39 rejections. And I still remember in January of the, of the next year, I remember just getting the email for my first interview in White. And I was so thrilled and excited. I, 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 that was a happy ending to all the waiting. Yeah, it was, it was just like the halfway point is what I like to call it. The next, The final stretch was actually presenting myself at the interview and trying to show that I'm show them that I'm a good fit for the program. Mm-hmm. So I ended up reaching out to a couple of medical coaches, pre-medical coaches who actually would help me prepare me for interviews. I started just reading a lot of blogs about other people's experiences. I looked at student doctor network for school specific threads. And I used all of that to come up with a strategy, prepare myself for the interview and actually my interview day went very smooth I think that the school Quinnipiac is the school I went to they did a phenomenal job at putting me at ease and the interview just felt more like an informal conversation mm-hmm. uh, which I really appreciated and then a few weeks later I actually was waitlisted by them and I had a feeling that because I was the underdog that I might, I might get waitlisted and in a way I was grateful that I was waitlisted and not rejected because that meant that there were still a couple of strategies that I could implement I was working with my coach and with the strategies that we used, I was able to to get the coveted acceptance letter to attend my, my school, attend the Quinnipiac and successfully able to graduate from the program. And I also had a chance to serve as an admissions committee member there, which was really instrumental in, in 
shaping my leadership skills. So that's an awesome journey you have taken from being inspired from an EMT to get interested in the field and doing all the work that it takes to being accepted into med school, which is usually the most difficult one, right? If you look at the statistics, like seven in 100 people get into medical school. So for our listeners, if we can break down the process here. So when when you took your college majors, so did the decision of going into medical school weigh in on that? And did you choose a particular major over the other? And what went into that? So interestingly, I was interested in pre-medicine, but I was also interested in teaching at that point. And during my high school, I had a chance to to serve as a teacher's assistant for global history. Wow. And that was always something that fascinated me. And I realized that even though I have an interest in medicine, I learned pretty early on that I wouldn't need to be necessarily a science major to be able to apply to medical schools or be eligible to take the MCAT. So I actually decided to pursue my passion of learning uh, about different cultures. And I ended up majoring in European history which I think broadened my horizons. And I was also on the pre-medical track. And I think that that just gave me a well-rounded perspective on, on things. And actually, it made, for, made up for a lot of meaningful conversations that I had during my interview in regards to different cultures and what happens when they interact with each other. So I, I remember that interview conversation distinctly. And I think just being a non-science major also helped me stand out from the rest of the applicant pool. So that's a great thing to know, especially uh, for people who are not familiar with the application process, right? Like uh, my understanding being a foreign medical graduate is, or maybe you need to do like a major that has to do something as a pre-medical major than outside of it. Can you tell us about what is pre-med track, especially as an IMG, I have how it works. So do you want to know what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So that is one of the most common questions that you hear freshmen asking. So pre-med track itself is not a major per se, rather it refers to a set of prerequisite coursework that's required to be able to apply to medical schools. And these courses are also required to take the MCAT. So with the new MCAT, these required courses are physics, biology, organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, biochemistry, psychology, and sociology. Now, I also recommend that students also research on the medical schools that they're interested in because some of them might have additional requirements in addition to these courses. The other thing that I also recommend is consider taking literature or ethics uh, course because this will help boost your critical analysis and reasoning skills, which will not only help you with the MCAT, but also help you with medical school. It's a, it's a very common myth that you have to be a, a biology or you know, neuroscience major to be eligible, but it's if anything but that. Actually, during my, like as an as a admissions committee interview member, I, I remember interviewing a lot of candidates who were non-science major, history, sociology, and it led to some very interesting conversations. And, and it can also end up working in your favor because it would help you stand out from, from the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And coming back to the point where you were being told that you're an underdog, like when you really want to apply to medical school by your advisor, 
So what helped you or what mindset helped you deal with that? It's not easy like at the age you were and at that point to kind of go beyond what people are telling you, right? So Yeah, absolutely. I think mindset was a big part of of my success. I think I think I read somewhere that it's 80% mindset, 20% hard work and that was so true for me. Uh, I was always of the mindset that I I I even though I'm an underdog, I'll work hard to to get to where I want to be. And one of the things I I learned from my parents is not to give up easily. And that was some that was the mentality that I had. So even though when I had 39 rejections out of 40 schools that I'd applied to, I still had the mindset that I still have one more school that I'm going to dedicate my efforts towards. So I would say mindset plays a big role, and especially when you have your pre-health advisor and, and other close family and friends telling you that this is a very uphill battle. I think mm-hmm. mindset is really what gets you to the next level. Wow, that was being so tough mentally to go through all that. And the other aspect I wanted to go over is, like at least my experience going through all the residency forums is it makes you even more anxious with people pretty much like bragging about how many interviews they got and all the prestigious ones they got, but it really doesn't put out the real struggle a person is going through when they're applying for a competitive thing like medical school, right? So what was that uh, particular filter that you used when you were going on various forums to get the information at the same time not being discouraged? Yeah, absolutely. It can be very discouraging when you look at SDN because there's a lot of valuable information. Actually, I I got a lot of information about my med school in terms of the interview day and what to expect from SDN. But I think you have to use it in the right way. You you should use it as a motivational tool more so than as a tool to compare yourself with other applicants, most of who are in the top 1% of their respective fields and have phenomenal interviews and phenomenal acceptances. But I think the key is the mindset that you know you, you have that helps you filter out some of that content and focus on things that will help you get the acceptance letter. And that was something that I, I, I worked very hard to develop. And I would only focus on the school that, I in, that offered me an interview and not focus on other threads where people talk about which school they should ex- get ex- take the accept approve or which schools they should not go to based on the financial aid packages so i think it really depends on the mindset and, and how you use sdn because sdn is a tool that can work that can help you reach the next level but it can also be a tool that if you don't use properly can can be discouraging yeah and thanks for sharing that Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other advice that I would have is also one of the things that I wish I'd done more of was usually every undergrad school has mixers, especially in in the second year for pre-med. So I recommend, you know, the listeners to to try to take part in that because I'll open up, you know, it'll open up new networking opportunities with people that you'll be applying, you know, to med schools with as well. And where do they find these opportunities? So every undergrad has a pre-health office. And usually in, on their bulletin board, they would post about these mixers. 
and there's and any... also but, which is yeah. a good perk <laughs> oh sure yeah okay and any particular time frame that helps to participate in this mixers before the application or i would say usually during your second year of undergrad towards the second half is usually when they start with these mixers so i i would recommend starting to starting to join starting to starting to be a part of those mixers and also maybe joining one of the one of the science clubs if that interests you tutoring club is usually something that's very looked upon very favorably so for instance i was part of the biology and the chemistry honor society but if that's something that interests you tutoring is always something that they we look i at least i as a uh, reviewer look very favorably at and i would recommend starting that usually in your second year yeah so that's another valuable uh uh experience tip out there for our listeners and and what was the experience or memory that stands out uh, throughout all the med school application process that you went through that you wish you could have done differently having come uh, through all the med school and uh, even getting done with residency so i think one of the things that i think i wish i had done differently was it goes along with the mixers is just joining a community of like-minded people maybe joining a community of underdogs who were in similar shoes that i was in i think it would have made the process less stressful um i know every school has their version of the underdogs especially when it comes to applying to allopathic medical schools and i think it was it was part of an organization that was built for an underdog i think it would have made the experience a uh, little less stressful that you were uh, that you were and you were underdog and about how there are like this groups of pre medical students who are kind of classified as underdogs so how would you define like underdog student applying for medical school who would that be yeah no absolutely that's a, that's a great question so just a, just a disclosure so it's not there's no formal term for a formal definition of underdog pre med applicant the way i would describe it in my opinion would be someone who uh, might not have the might not meet the average mcat score for the schools they're applying to might not have the average gpa they might fall in the 25th percentile of or 25th to 50th percentile of the mcat or the gpa and would be fighting otherwise an uphill battle where you would be competing against students who scored above average on the mcats or gpa so more so on the objective data that i would say would be used to classify an underdog and then they can always make that up with a lot of subjective data which would be your extracurricular ex- experiences your personal statement the way you interview and all the nonverbal communication skills Well, thanks for clarifying on that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, what are some of the things that you would recommend college matriculants interested in med track? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I think 
when I was entering medical, when I was entering my undergrad course, I had somewhat of an idea that I wanted to pursue pre-med track. So one of the things that I did was I tried to figure out what courses are actually required to be able to take the MCAT on time and what courses are required to be eligible for for applying to medical schools and the, by the third year of my undergrad year. So one of the things I actually had done was that I actually reached out to a couple of seniors in my, prog- in my program to just learn from them, learn from their experiences and figure out what courses they had taken and how they structure their undergrad years to be able to get into a medical school. So that is one thing that I would also advise college matriculants do is maybe join one of the initial orientation events. Usually where that's where you'd meet a lot of these senior undergrad students and just learning and reaching out to them. I think the other thing that I would recommend doing in addition to coursework is also maybe trying to start volunteering at a hospital because one of the things that you realize you quickly need is, is a lot of volunteer hours. Which, which is not required, but it's looked upon very favorably. And also you'll be able to secure a letter of recommendation from the physician that you're shadowing. The other thing that I would advise the, the, the undergrad students pursue is potentially a research project because medicine is a, is a very research-heavy field and a lot of the growth and progress that happens in medicine relies on, on groundbreaking research. And I think also having research would train your critical thinking and analytical skills, which would help you prepare for the MCAT and do, and do, and do well in it. So you have covered various important aspects here. And getting to the point on uh, like volunteering in hospital and also finding research projects. So it takes a lot of efficiency built in to your day-to-day life and also a lot of dedication to be able to do all the things other than just making sure you're getting good scores in MCAT, which is a crucial thing as well. Uh, So what has uh, helped you with that? Absolutely. So I think definitely you need good time management skills. And I would recommend that in the first semester of of your undergrad, you only focus on doing well on the coursework. And once you get a handle of it, after the first semester, then you really start exploring these opportunities. And I would say definitely need a lot of time management skills. Uh, You might have to sacrifice certain social events and activities in pursuit of these endeavors. But I I would say that it would be well worth it when you're holding that acceptance letter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like delayed gratification here. Absolutely. That is what medicine is all about. So. Mm you'll get a good taste of it in in your undergrad. <laughs> yeah, and for students applying or looking for research opportunities, uh, what is a good like place to start or way to look for these and who to reach out for? So usually the way these opportunities would come about would require a lot of would require a proactive approach. So what I usually recommend is when you're taking these science courses, science courses is to reach out, develop a good rapport with the faculty members and try to network with them and figure out if they are looking for anyone in their lab or if you have an interesting idea for a research project you want to pursue, I would just email them or contact them. And that's really the best way to, to get these research opportunities. Most university uh, institutions have 
dedicated research labs, and most of these faculty members are are the principal investigators for them. So I would say focus on developing a good relationship with them and taking a proactive approach in regards to emailing them. I myself actually had to email five to ten professors before I heard yes from the one that I you know was interested in working with. How do you like you stand out as a good like research applicant with no prior experience? As uh, that's one thing that is usually yeah. looked into. No, absolutely, and and the, and the key to remember with that is that we all start from somewhere. So I would say the key to securing a, a lab position would be by focusing on doing well in that coursework. So making sure you're doing well on the exams, because that will show your dedication and commitment to the subject, and that's something that researchers like to know. And I think it will work well in your favor if you're able to demonstrate that, and that will make you stand out. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We have another episode which we'll be releasing next week where we'll be discussing about taking a gap year, obtaining letters of recommendations, research and volunteering experience. Thank you for listening to the Underdog Physician podcast. As you go about your week, no matter how challenging your journey might be, we want you to remember that you're an awesome individual. If you loved listening to this podcast, do subscribe, leave a review in the podcast platform you are listening to us from, and share with others on social media. Please do not forget to tune into our next episode. Until then, Namaste. Namaste. In the previous episode, we talked about Anisha's journey with applying to medical school and discussed the ways one can maximize chances of getting into an US allopathic medical school as a non-traditional applicant. In this episode, we'll be talking about the relevance of gap year when applying to medical school, how to obtain good letters of recommendations and secure research and volunteering experience. Mm-hmm.